Hello and welcome to the music production for beginners podcast, where we talk about techniques and tips that you need to know if you're trying to learn how to produce music. I'm your host, Finley King. It's good to see you guys again. Just kidding. You can't see me because this is a podcast. Yeah, that's just one of many terrible jokes that I plan to make on this podcast. (laughs) So to get started, this is the second episode of the Music Production for Beginners podcast. Thank you so much if you listened to the first one, or maybe this is the first thing that you're hearing. On the first episode, I wanted to just start out today and do a bit of a do a bit of a recap and just go over some things that I talked about in the first episode so you know that I'm not really going to talk about them here. So in the first episode, I told some stories about my journey into music. I talked about some of the goals that I have for this podcast. There's a lot of ambiguity, you know, in how it's going to be run, what I'm really going to talk about. Um it could, you know, be in gabcast format where I talk to other musicians and it could be more, you know, informational based some days. Today I'm going to try and make it more of an informational based day. I also talked about the gear that you need in order to start producing music, including music production software. I talked about how I personally use Logic Pro X. I am recording on Logic Pro X right now and mainly in on this podcast, I'm mainly going to be referring to Logic Pro X tools, and these tools are transferable in most softwares, but in some softwares, they you know, may not be. If you're using something like Audacity, you know, it's not going to have a scale quantize function, which we'll talk about later. But anyway, you need music production software, and we also talked about the materials that you need to listen to your mixes, you know, when you're producing music, you need speakers, you need headphones. And today I actually wanted to talk quickly about what I have personally. If you wanted to purchase the exact same set as me, you could do that. I don't think that what I have is the best. It is just what I use. So first up, I actually just wanted to mention my microphone. I have an MXL 770, bought it off Amazon. It's about 80 bucks. Um, As I mentioned in the last podcast, you also have to have a XLR cable if you are running a microphone and an audio interface before you plug it into your computer. This is the best way to do it. Do not use a Blue Yeti. Listen to the first episode about that. I also have a Focusrite Scarlett Solo audio interface. This is what the signal that I send through the microphone goes into and... It keeps it from, <laughs> you know, going all over the place. The audio interface redirects it to my computer so that I can record stuff. For headphones, I use Marantz Professional Headphones. They are pretty good quality. I I really like them. I mean, they're actually all I've ever used to mix music, so I would recommend them. <laughs> um, I don't recommend, you know, just getting like a cheap pair of headphones, but, you know, start with whatever whatever works for you. You really do want headphones that, you know, go over your ears and cover and give you that full space so that you can hear everything that's going on in your mix when you're producing music, though. So, you know, headphones, I think, are a really good investment. I also use Logic Pro X, as I mentioned, and Logic Pro X is found on a MacBook Pro. It is a Apple-specific program, so I also have a MacBook. That is something to mention. Something I didn't put in my notes for today that I also wanted to mention was and I'm going to bring this up later, I also have an Akai MPK mini keyboard. 
And when I talk about MIDI a bit later, I just wanted to mention that I have this. It is not necessary for when you start out. However, if you do want to make a lot of piano melodies or you expect to like, you know, you're just starting to learn how to play piano, I do recommend it, but it doesn't give you the full scope to play to play everything that could be played on a piano, I would say. But I'll bring that up again later. So those are some things that I have myself. That is my personal gear that I use to record music. I wanted to tell you guys what I use. There are, you know, obviously many different audio interfaces that are affordable as well as microphones. And, you know, you do not need a MIDI keyboard. There are also many versions of software that you can use. Kind of from this point on, I'm just going to speak as if, you know, you have something that is working for you. So next up, I'm going to actually touch on a bunch of little like sub topics, I guess I would say, that are all going to center around when you set up a project and when you first start setting up a project and some things to know. And I'm going to do my best to keep on track. However, making music is very complicated. <laughs> there are a lot of layers to it. So I apologize if I, you know, take a really big detour, but I'm taking big detours because music is not easy and there are a lot of things to talk about, but I'll try and stay on track as much as I can. So to preface setting up a project, even to preface that, <laughs> to preface the preface, <laughs> to preface the press, the press, the press, the press, the press, uh, sorry, getting distracted. Um, I wanted to talk a bit about music theory. I, I get questions from other people that are trying to get into producing or just starting to get into produce, producing and they ask me, you know, hey, like how much music theory do you know? How much did you know? And I, I want to say that my, my knowledge of music theory even today is still wildly incomplete. And I will also tell you that in order to develop your musical ear, you actually, you don't need to know music theory, but it is going to help you better understand when you produce something good, why it sounds good. And when you produce something bad, music theory can kind of help you work through why it's bad. And, and I, you know, instead of randomly creating something and then, you know, wondering, oh, why does it sound good? Like, how do I recreate it? If you have knowledge of music theory, it can help you recreate it. And obviously, like in music production, like knowing how music is structured is extremely important. Yes, I agree with this. However, I don't make music for the purpose of it following the rules. I've never done that. I will never do that. I mean, you know, unless that is my intention. If my intention is going into it and I say I want to make something that follows the rules and that follows, you know, an exact, uh, you know, an exact <laughs> reference, I guess, and saying like this is this is what works. But music to me has always, and I, I believe will always be, you know, a collection of sounds that I, the listener, enjoy. And it's, it's not more complicated than that because it's just not. You know, you, you put sounds together that are in key that sound good, and that's really all, all that it is. However, if you do want to research, you know, music theory, if you play an instrument, it, it can be really helpful. And when I started playing guitar, I... I memorized, you know, each of the strings and how to count all the way down. So on the top E string, I memorized how to count down E, E sharp, F, F sharp, G, G sharp, A, you know, and 
go all the way down. And, and it's helpful if you're creating chords, if you're trying to find what key things are in, knowing a bit of music theory, especially if you use an instrument or want to get into using an instrument, it is helpful. There's lots of YouTube videos you can watch that will you know educate you on that stuff. And, and even myself, I need to watch more because I think that it is an area of knowledge that I wish I was more fine-tuned in and could use some work. But anyway, music theory is not completely necessary. However, it will help you in the long run. So I recommend just obtaining a base level of it, you know, watching some videos, reading some books about what music theory is. And it's honestly very interesting too. I'm going to take a tangent here and talk about the, not for a long time, but the physics of music and like if you ever get interested in that and why people actually like music, it is, it's fascinating. You know, the way that certain sounds vibrate at certain frequencies and our brains perceive them as being pleasing or displeasing. It's, it's honestly fascinating. It's fascinating to me because for all of existence, you know, these sounds have had these emotional triggers in our brains, but you know, only in the last how many years have people been able to produce a full scale, you know, symphony piece that really like taps into that emotion in full depth. And music is so, so interesting for that reason. Okay. So after music theory, we're going to go back to setting up a project. So for the first time you've opened up your software, you've opened up logic pro X, whatever, and you're setting up a project. First things first, Name your project, save your project, save your project every 15 minutes. If, you know, your computer has problems crashing, my computer has actually never had a problem with this. I have heard of horror stories of people spending hours, you know, I've worked on songs before for 13 hours and had it crash and I thought I lost everything. It didn't happen, but there are plenty of software that (laughs) this will happen. Save your work often. Name your project or don't name it. You know, sometimes I start out projects and I just name them project. So you've named your project. Now the actual music part. The first thing that I end up picking is a time signature. And I am going to say that a time signature is another musical theory thing. (laughs) It's a musical theory thing. It's, It's something that deals with music theory. And you should start out in 4-4, which means that there are going to be four quarter notes in a bar. And I know that that is probably absolutely foreign to you, but most songs these days are written in 4-4. The majority of them are written in 4-4. And because this is just a Music for Beginners podcast, start out in 4-4. When you feel like you've gotten really comfortable using this time signature and you're getting more you're getting more used to understanding how to create, you know, regions of, um, like many regions and creating melodies that are in 4-4, then go and switch and go into like 3-4, 6-8 or whatever and, and experiment with different time signatures. Cause it is, it is very interesting. I will say that, you know, pretty much all of my songs are in 4-4 that I've ever produced. However, there is one song that I made in 6-8 that was, like, super fun. I mean, it ended up sounding so weird. The drums, like, come in in this, like, really abstract way, and it's cool. You know, if you're going for an experimental thing to try it out, listen to songs, look up songs that are in different time signatures and kind of hear why they're different. Um, Again, it all has to do with, you know, the timing of the drums or lead instruments and things like that. Um, But to start out, you know, just start out in 4-4 and go from there. 
And again, 4-4 means that there are four quarter notes in each bar. And as you're recording, you'll kind of hear the metronome follow that, where the metronome will the metronome will play in the time signature that you are trying to achieve, or the time signature that you have selected. So next up thing that you're setting is your tempo. And tempo is really, it's not very complicated. It is how fast your song is. That's it. You know, how fast, how fast is your song moving? And I really also, I stand by don't overthink tempo. I, the standard tempo when you open Logic Pro X is 120 BPMs. And I can tell you for that exact reason that 50% of my songs are in 120 BPMs. (laughs) And I, I really don't, I don't like to change the tempo and the time signature really all that much because I I don't think it plays a really large role in the emotion that I'm trying to convey. And before before all you music production fiends listen to this and they just roast me and say, you don't know jack shit because you're saying that tempo doesn't have anything to do with anything. Um, let me just, let me just, let me just say this. So I, I think that, you know, if you want, if you want your song to appear more energetic or fast or, you know, upbeat that you could increase, you could increase the BPM. I definitely think that that's a, I think that that's a great method. You know, if you want your song to be a little more bumpy or whatever, and it's a bit too slow, increase the tempo. Sure. But also you can create, you can create lead melodies. um, You know, you can create lead melodies at a faster pace. So say that you've laid down a drum beat and your drum beat is at a hundred BPM. So you've selected this project to be a hundred beats per minute, which means that if there was a main note that was hitting, you know, <laughs> if there was a main note hitting, if there was like a main drum hitting, you know, it would be hitting at 100 BPMs if it was a full note. Um, at least I think that's correct. It'd be in the quarter notes, actually. Yeah. It'd be quarter notes. If it was 100 BPMs, beats per minute. Yeah. Okay, I maybe said that wrong. Anyway, forget that. That's not the point. The point is, is that if you wanted to create a song at a faster pace, you don't necessarily have to change the tempo. All that you have to do is create a lead instrument that has notes that are occurring at a more frequent time. So say that you've played, um, say that you've played an eight, an eight chord progression, right? An eight chord progression at a hundred beat, beats per minute. And I know this may sound a bit confusing, but say that you've played eight instances of notes, you know, that sound good in C major. So you have, you know, one note hits or one chord hits, another chord hits, another chord hits. You have eight chords hitting. Okay. What you could do is you could use a function that quantizes those notes. So essentially takes all those notes and makes them occur at twice the speed and that whole project. So say you have all these other instruments laid down could now that whole project could still be 100 BPMs, and you could have just taken the lead instrument and sped it up. And that's why I, the whole point of this is that don't trip about how fast your project is because you can create, you can make the instruments appear at whatever time you want. You know what I mean? So you can have 100 BPMs be the overall tempo of the project, but you can increase, essentially increase the tempo of individual instruments without affecting the entire project. And that's why I say, don't trip about it. You know, start out with anything between 60 
and 170 if you want like a really fast paced like trap song you know maybe go for 170 if you want some slow like lo-fi hip-hop maybe start out with like 60 bpms something in between 100 to 120 but don't overthink it like it's it's not (laughs) don't overthink it (laughs) you know it's that's as simple as it is um yeah i hope that that made sense i I'm, i'm not the best at explaining you know the occurrence of notes it's really going to be something that you're going to have to experiment with when you start laying down instruments and things like that so next up that i'm going to talk about is choosing a key so kind of to go back to music theory and i know i said you don't need to know music theory and you don't but knowing a little bit of music theory is going to help you is going to help you choose a key and there like i said earlier there's there's research that's been done about what, excuse me, what different keys convey, what emotions different keys convey. And if you, you know, if you're going for a sad song, perhaps an E major or an F sharp is going to, you know, promote more sad, melancholic, melancholic, melancholic. (laughs) I'm just going to hope that that's a word or maybe it's just melancholy. I don't know. Melancholy vibes and you know you choose the you choose that key for the key of your entire project because you want to convey you already know what you're going to convey with the song you already know what you're feeling and you know picking if you're sad and you pick a key like c major it, it maybe won't make as much sense however there are a lot of pop songs you know that have this like weird crossover where they have these happy keys going and actually like very sad lyrics this is honestly really common in pop music these days where it's like everything's like really upbeat and hype, but then you listen to the lyrics and you're like, oh my God, is this person okay? Um, but anyway, it, it's, it's interesting to think about. It's an interesting thing to look up, you know, what kind of emotions do different keys uh, symbolize, but really it's about listening. You know, it's about listening and hearing and, you know, getting used to, all right, I kind of, I kind of have an idea of what, um, you know, what key I want to use for the song. If I'm looking for something carefree or happy, you know, I also will pick something like D, maybe even D sharp. Um, but yeah, you know, it's just something to keep an eye on and be aware of when you're choosing your, when you're creating a project. So there, there are many ways that you can pick a key for your song and, you know, you can choose it right off the bat. And, um, sometimes, um, so I'm going to talk about, I'm going to talk about samples really quick. And so logic actually has, so logic pro, I, I know a lot of software have samples that are already pre-downloaded and the samples in a project sent the samples in a project, the samples found in logic or found as, you know, stock samples or whatever usually can come with a predetermined key. So in logic, they have this whole list of like Apple loops and it's actually, I think you're not even legally allowed to like release stuff with apple loops because apple actually owns these loops um i myself have not i haven't released anything with with apple loops before but um anyway i haven't released anything with apple loops but when you're starting out and you're learning how to produce music apple loops are super helpful and the reason is is that they give you the key so you know you can scroll through and you can find these synths these you know this little short (laughs) <laughs> this short piece that a you know somebody played on the synth and then you can play it you know you can loop it over and over again and you can learn how to stack instruments and you can learn how to you know organize a mix with these loops and not have to actually play anything yourself not have to create any midi regions 
And the great thing is, is that you will be all in key. So I know I'm probably saying a lot of stuff that maybe doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but the most important thing to remember here is that if you're using a sample and remember that, I think I mentioned in the first episode, a sample is any instrument or vocal piece or even really anything that you're going to use in your mix musically, a sample is just a a small snippet. You know, it's a small snippet that you can take of just a keyboard, you know, like I just played (laughs) that, that you can use in a mix and say it's identified as being, um, you know, D sharp. You can pick out a bunch of other samples and if they're designated as being in D sharp, you can then decide, all right, I want my entire project now to be in D sharp. You must pick samples that are all in the same key or create instruments that are all in the same key when you're producing music. This is base level knowledge that you absolutely have to know when you start producing music, everything has to be in the same key. Unless you are making some weird jazzy something or other, you know, and you're switching from maybe C major to D sharp and back and forth, um, or in the middle of the song, you know, sometimes there are weird songs that'll have, that'll have key switches and and it, it is jarring. It is jarring. I, I, I myself am not a fan of this. I really don't think it's it's something I'm interested in. Maybe I just don't understand the artistic <laughs> choice of someone who wants to have key switches occur in the middle of their mixes. Um, but most, you know, common popular music, you will never hear a key switch in. Maybe at the very end for like an outro, you would hear a key switch to totally, you know, it'll switch your attention. You'll notice it right off the bat. You'll say, what the heck? Like this, this sounds totally different. Even people without trained ears will notice this. So anyway, if you're looking for a sample Make sure, and you're using that sample to start your project, and you're using that sample to start your project, make sure that that sample is in the key that you want, and then you'll go from there. Another thing to note that's kind of cool, if you were to pick a sample and you start, this is why learning music theory could be helpful to you. And here's here's an example of why. If you pick a sample that is, uh, what's the best example? Um, if you pick a sample that is in D major, right? you, uh, if you pick a sample that is D major, you can pitch up that sample. And if you pitch it up, you can actually change the key of that sample. Now this doesn't always sound good. You can do this with vocals. You can do this with a guitar, um, a guitar sample, whatever, but it does allow you to change the key of a song. So say you really, really like a guitar riff. You could try pitching it up to be in key with another sample. And that way you actually have access to more samples and more things that could fit together. Um, So I have an aside written in here. I don't think I've actually addressed this yet. Yeah, I haven't addressed this yet. So I'm going to go ahead and address this. So I've been mentioning your musical ear and I haven't really talked about what that is. So your musical ear When you start producing, there is sort of a series of realizations that you're going to have. As as a musician, you're going to have a series of realizations. And one of them is your musical ear, (laughs) as I just talked about. Um, So say that you're learning how to play guitar at the same time. As you're starting your production journey, you're learning how to play guitar. Your musical ear is going to develop because what, what you'll notice is that you'll play a note on the guitar. And this is kind of the first step. And then you'll play another note. And once you've played two notes that are in a key, 
you'll start to notice what the key is. And then you'll notice what continues in that key and what sounds good and what does not sound good. And this is kind of the first step is notes that sound good together. And I know this is kind of confusing, but um, developing your musical ear means that you are starting to understand what sounds right and what sounds wrong depending on the emotion you're trying to convey, depending on what key your music is in. And yeah, that's, that's, really, that's really what it is. is it means you, know, you, you gain this ability to pick out sounds that sound good together. And first it's going to start and only, you know, you're gonna, your ears are going to probably have access to knowing what sounds in key. And then eventually you'll start to notice. So as a producer, I can say that my, my musical ear has become so much better in the last year. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. And I, it has been one of the coolest things about learning how to produce music is, is developing a musical ear. And when I listen to music now, I don't, I don't listen to music the same way. I I listen to music and I hear all these really intricate things about the mix and what is happening rather than just letting, um, what is called ear candy. So ear candy is kind of these things that people add into the mix to make it sound more full, to make it sound a little bit spicy, to add a little bit of like flair. I, I now pick out all of this random shit, you know, that people are putting in their mixes and saying like, oh my gosh, like that was really weird, but honestly, that was dope. And, and you start to make these distinctions where you can hear the full space of the mix. And that's kind of when you know that you've, you have a really like well-developed ear. And not to just, you know, praise myself. Oh, I have such a good musical ear. <laughs> like I still have so far to go. Um, especially because I don't really have a good set of speakers that I listen on and there's always room for improvement to improve that area. But that's what a musical ear is. It's training yourself to hear sounds in the mix that, that work or don't work. What the heck? So, so there's like a little, there's a bug on my, there was a bug on my audio interface. <laughs> I was like, what the heck? <laughs> okay. Um, so another way that you can pick a key is using... So this is in Logic Pro X. I apologize if you're not a Logic user. I'm sorry. I'm going to talk about something that you might not have access to, and I apologize if you don't. But hey, this would maybe inspire you to want Logic because this function is absolutely sick. Um so another way that you can pick a key, and this is so, so cool. So Logic has this function called the scale quantize function, and it happens in, in a MIDI region. So say you've created a MIDI region, and I know I've been saying MIDI. I have not said what this is. Everybody that doesn't know what MIDI is, they're like, oh my gosh, I hate this guy. He's not freaking telling me what MIDI is. <laughs> so MIDI, to start off, that stands for Musical Instrument Digital Interface. And MIDI essentially allows it allows it allows things that you plug into your music production software to be compatible with um, to be compatible with the software to to play. Um, gosh, how I'm, I'm not doing a good job of explaining this. So when you plug in like a keyboard into Logic or whatever software you're using, the program will take whatever keys on the keyboard that you play and convert them into this MIDI language. So it converts it into a way that you can look at the notes on the computer and you can edit them and you can do, you know, you can do different stuff to them. That's, that's what MIDI is. 
but however, you don't need, you do not need an external device to create MIDI. This is the cool thing, is that you don't you don't need a, a, a earlier I mentioned an Akai MK um, MPK Mini keyboard. You do not need this in order to create MIDI. You can simply go into whatever program you're using and just open up a MIDI region, and you can, and you can you know essentially like <laughs> just put little dots on the on the MIDI region and these will become notes and these notes you know are essentially the start of your musical project Logic Pro X has this tool called the scale quantize tool that allows you to pick individual notes right you know you create a melody and for those of you that don't know a melody is your main it is your main line of music it is your main instrument that you know is coming through as the the main tune, the main tune is your melody, essentially. So if you create a melody in a MIDI region, the scale quantize tool allows you to take this melody and move it so that it is all in the correct key. So essentially, excuse me, you do this by selecting all the notes and there are tutorials about how to use the scale quantize tool. Obviously when I'm talking about this, I'm talking about it in broad terms, but it allows you to select everything and put it into a specific key. So you could, you know, you could have typed out all these random notes that, you know, sound sound kind of good to you, but some of them are kind of off still. And you're like, ah, man, I don't know which ones are off. I can kind of tell where it's like it's dipping low and sounds kind of weird. But this scale quantize tool allows you to select all these notes and move them into the key of C major or into the key of E minor pentatonic. And it's, it's incredible. It's incredible because, you know, you can have this idea and you're like trying to figure out, and, and this is, you know, kind of a garbage method for picking out what, what key your project is in, but it works. It works. And especially if you, instead of like playing something randomly tool too, instead of playing something randomly, you can actually use this, this tool in logic called the paint tool that allows you to play the notes right from the get go. So when I'm building beats and stuff, right from the get-go, it'll allow you to play notes that are in the exact key that you select before you even before you even start laying down a MIDI region, before you even start creating notes that you want to use. You can select this paint tool and and make all the notes in the exact key that you want. You can say, right from the get-go, I'm feeling kind of sad. I want to write a song in E major. You select E major on the scale quantize tool, and then you pick the brush tool. And this brush tool or paint tool will allow you to create notes that are all in the key of E major, from right from then on, and for the rest of you know for the rest of time. Um, for those of you that actually use Logic and want to go try this, you have to. I usually make the paint tool my secondary tool, so that when I press Command, it it goes to it. Um, for those of you that maybe are listening to this and want to try it. Um, so yeah, so that is a way to, you know, start out and to pick a key and to just get started right away. I don't know. I don't know how other softwares work if they have this tool. Um, if not, if there's not a way to scale quantize the notes, it can be really hard to write your own stuff and to know what key it's in just outright. Like it's, it's, it's damn difficult. (laughs) It's one of the things that like, I feel like these programs don't really have good ways of solving. And it's one of the challenges of producing music. If you start with, if you start with a vocal sample, you know, this is, 
this is probably the hardest way, the absolute hardest way. And I've done it before. I'm not, I'm not saying it's impossible. However, it is a very difficult way to start a project and you don't know what key you're in, but you sing something, you know, you sing like all across the world. Like, you know, you sing that, where do we go? So you have like, you know, that thing that I sing and it's, it's in a certain key, right? The only way to actually like figure out what key that is in is if you put on, so there's, I believe it's a, it's, it's in metering. It's in the metering options in Logic Pro X. I believe it's called the, is it the tuner? It might be the tuner. I think it is the tuner that will show you what key, um, you are closest to being in. But what I do, actually, this is, this is really interesting. I take advantage of having a bit of a musical ear. And what I'll do is I will send my vocals through a pitch corrector. So through the pitch corrector and I'll listen for, I'll listen to see what key I'm actually singing in closest to. So I'll turn, I'll turn the response down to zero milliseconds, which makes you sound like, you know, T-Pain essentially. And, uh, T-Pain actually does have a really good voice and does not need autocorrect, auto or pitch correction, <laughs> autocorrect. Um, but anyway, I'll listen to see what key actually sounds the best. And sometimes I figured out what the key of the song is based on that. If I start out with, um, if I start out with a vocal sample, um, samples, as I mentioned earlier, are short pieces of music. Yes. Duh, duh, duh. Okay, so lastly today, what I'm going to talk about is how I start projects. So I, I just went over these these topics. Um, I just went over, you know, labeling your project, knowing a time signature, you know, picking 4-4, four, four, picking a tempo, and choosing a key. You know, those are really basic things. I obviously went into deep depths of when you choose a key and what to do and all that good stuff. Um, I've gotten questions about this before, how I start projects. A lot of people want to know, do you start with lyrics? Do you start with drums? Do you start with a melody on a keyboard? Uh, you know what? I have harmony in here. That doesn't make any sense. You would not start with a harmony. So for those of you that don't know, harmony is supplemental to a melody. So it would not make sense to start with a harmony. I don't know why I wrote that in there. That's funny. Um, so do I start with lyrics, drums, or piano melody? The answer is all of them. What? No way. Go crazy. Yeah. So I, I start with all of them. <laughs> I don't, you know, I, uh, there have been songs. So when I, I actually, before I started producing music, I did a lot of poetry and I released a couple albums of poetry. This is literally just on like my YouTube channel. It's not even anywhere. Um, <laughs> and it's really bad. Don't listen to it. <laughs> Well, listen to it if you want. I don't, I don't really give a shit. Um, but you know, there's been times when I've just recorded lyrics and, you know, after the fact I've added music, I've written lyrics and then written music on the basis of what these lyrics were describing. But as of right now, you know, where I'm at as a producer, I would, I would a hundred percent say that my order of creation starts with creating a melody you know, whether that means starting out with chords that are in a key, depending on what I'm feeling, you know, like I've chosen my tempo, my time signature, I've chosen my key of C major. Obviously, this is so basic. <laughs> C major is so basic. <laughs> but I've chosen that and 
and it's like, what's next? Um, what's next is I'm going to build, I'm going to build a melody and a harmony probably on a keyboard and maybe some flutes, just really depending on two or three instruments, you know, I'm going to build first and then I usually will end up adding drums after the fact. This is sometimes really uncommon. And the reason is, is that if you have, it really depends on how you build and how you produce. If you want to create a melody and harmony and then build your drums around it or have your, you know, melody or harmony follow the drums. And it, it definitely is, it's different, you know, it's different as a, as a producer with what you want to pick. Do you want, you know, do you want your, your instruments to follow the beat or do you want your beat to follow the instruments? And this is something, you know, it's obviously like, it doesn't really matter. Um, but depending on what kind of music you make, you, you will make this decision. And I say this because it, that's really what it is. It depends on what kind of music you make. So I take a lot of influence from pop music and also trap music. I, I really like trap drums and I end up throwing kind of alternative vibes with trap drums, which, you know, come with a clap, a hi-hat and a kick drum. And that's, and that's it, you know, a, a snare or a clap or both and a hi-hat and a kick drum. And when I am building music tracks, I do them after the fact. And the reason is, is that trap drums are not complicated. They're not complicated to, to build. I feel like they're honestly one of the most straightforward drum tracks. If you listen to a trap song, if you listen to a hundred trap songs from a hundred different artists, I guarantee you that they are going to sound the most similar of any drums across any genre of music. And that's the reason why I build them after the fact. However, if you're doing rock music or pop punk music, um, you know, that lead guitar might need to follow that lead guitar that you you know you have planned to go in there might need to follow the drums and the drums maybe don't make sense to come in after the fact you know maybe you do need to start out with drums and it's it's really really cool logic pro x actually has this is so cool i used i used the the drummer tracks in logic pro x when i first started producing and they're so so helpful and the reason i don't know if other softwares have this but they're so 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 helpful and the reason is, is that it teaches you how to build your mix around the drums and it teaches you you know what part of the drums you know you really like what kind of you know again it depends on what kind of music you're making but um yeah so as far as what i do i would say i've done a collection of these i i have a song I have a song that I wrote, um, I think it wasn't on my last album that came out, but the one before this called Why So Disconnected. Um, the last song on it was a song called Stay. And I actually, it's funny, I, I freestyled this entire song. It's a seven minute song and the whole thing is a freestyle. I mean, if you listen to it, it you can maybe tell. Um, there's a couple parts where I stutter, but honestly, I'm, I'm very proud of it. It was just one night. I was like 2 a.m. I was in the zone and I was just feeling, I was feeling my emotions. I was feeling, you know, the presence of a higher power or whatever. And I just spoke into the microphone and it was literally to four chords on a piano. You know, it was four chords of these like sad, I think it was like played an F sharp or something. And, and that was it. And I went back, I went back and I listened to this song like probably like months later, months later. And I, and I'm listening to this and I'm like, this is, this is awesome. I, I love it. I love this so much. I want to share this. However, 
like I can do so much better. I don't I don't want to release a song that is just speaking and, you know, four chords playing on repeat. Like no one no one's going to no one's going to fuck with that. No one's going to no one's going to really want to listen to that. So what I did was I started to build drums around it and I also built additional instruments around it. And this is the cool thing. This is so cool. You know, a lot of the times people will say vocals are the last thing to hit. You know, you're going to put in vocals, you're going to put in supplemental vocals, harmonies or whatever. They're going to be the last thing. You know, obviously you have all your you have all your instruments first and then this. And and this song to me proves it proved to me that there is no right way to do this. There is no right way to produce music when you are starting out, you know, just start doing stuff, just make stuff, you know, just throw random stuff together and see what sounds good to you. Because that's, you know, that's what it's about. It's about having, you know, having a, having a production software, having a space to create and, you know, to get out the emotions that we're feeling as human beings and to express yourself. You know, I, I think that a lot of music, you know, just to go on a bit of a tangent, but like, a lot of music today is just so, it is very mainstream. It is very, um, <laughs> you know, the things that get popular are the ones that sound the most like everything else. And, you know, that maybe isn't the emotion that you're feeling. But if it is, great, you know, it doesn't mean you're, you know, you're not, you don't need to be unique or whatever, but like, just produce the music however you want. You know, if you want to start with drums, if you feel connected, I think people can be more, people can be more connected to rhythm than, um, people can be more connected to rhythm, for instance, rather than, you know, a melody or whatever. And I I think that's dope. You know, people can be connected to rhythm more than, more than the, the melody, but yeah, that is, that is, you know, how I produce. So let me just go over my notes and see what see what we see what we hit today. We talked a little bit about learning music theory. If you guys want to learn some music theory, you know, I encourage just a little bit just to help just to help you. Just to help help you. If you have a musical instrument, yes, learn music theory. We talked about time signature. I need to learn more about time signature. I'm not even going to lie to you guys. I <laughs> it's something that I'm just like I always pick 4/4 four, four, and I just send that shit. <laughs> And I don't think about it too much. <laughs> Tempo, we talked about how fast do you want your song to be. We also talked about how you don't you don't have to have, you know, you don't have tempo is not not absolute. So don't get too don't get too caught in it. We talked about choosing keys for your song. You know, if you're starting, if you're wanting to communicate emotion, I talked about some tools in Logic Pro X that utilize specific keys and you know being able to create melodies and harmonies that are in melodies and harmonies just sorry i'm probably confusing you guys that are in specific keys um i talked about finding samples a bit i actually could talk about finding samples a bit more before i close out today so finding samples this is so interesting um so like i said earlier samples are you know those short pieces of music that are usually in a designated key but not necessarily you can take a sample there are people that go on youtube I am not even kidding. Some of the most like, you know, big hit, like lo-fi hip hop songs take old jazz, you know, just old jazz recordings from, you know, 1970s or 80s or whatever. And excuse me, there is the, there are these recordings on YouTube that you can, you know, use a YouTube download or whatever at your own risk. 
Um, I don't endorse this, but, and this is literally what people do. They, they, they go on YouTube and they download this, uh, you know, an old jazz track and they, they see that the jazz track is in, uh, G minor pentatonic, whatever. And they make their whole project G minor pentatonic and they build their entire project around, you know, something that someone else created. And this is, this is obviously, I watched this video on YouTube about, uh, how all lo-fi hip-hop beats are made, and it's freaking hilarious. You know, the guy just talks about how this is what everyone does. Everyone just goes and steals other people's work and puts it up. And this is why I don't endorse it, because there is a difference between sampling and stealing. And, you know, I think sampling is is when you take something and you add it to your project, but you do something to it that, you know, makes it your own. And, or, or it doesn't, it doesn't harbor, you know, a huge portion of the mix. You know, it just, it adds that little spice where someone that if they were listening for the sample, they would hear it, um, you know, but otherwise they would not, you know, they would not notice. It's not like a huge amount of attention value. They're not taking it and making it their lead instrument. You know, they're not making that sample their lead instrument, but essentially, you know, you can sample anything and throw it in a mix. And the way that you can actually do this so it's important that, you know, if you cr- take a sample from somewhere and you have to know that what time signature it's in, unless it's maybe just like a really like sweet kick, you know, you hear like a sick kick drum, there's a way that you can, you know, essentially record that kick drum and use it in your song, you know, and I mean, that's legal, you know, it's not, it, it could have the sounds of other stuff all around it and could end up sounding kind of uh, grainy and not very good, but, um, but you could do that, you know, if there's a single kick that comes in in a song, and you're like, wow, that sounds really spicy, you know, you could sample it and essentially snag it. Um, but again, it's like, I don't endorse taking other people's stuff, just try and build it yourself if you can. Um, but uh, anyway, what I was going to say was that Logic Pro X has this really cool function called polyphonic flexing. And polyphonic flexing allows you to get, you know, use like a loop or a sample and, you know, make it fit into your mix and into your BPM. So if I played like a little, you know, if I played, let me grab my guitar for a sec, you know, if I played a little thing on my guitar, just that, just that, bum, 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 bum. Like I could take that and essentially use a polyphonic flexing tool to make it fit into any BPM that I want you know, anything from 60 BPMs to 170 BPMs and have it, you know, fit into the mix. And what polyphonic flexing does is it like analyzes the waveform of whatever you have given it and it will flex it and it'll make you go bum, 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 bum. If it's a faster BPM or it'll slow it down. Bum, 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 bum. And it's honestly pretty accurate. And I think that there are other, you know, there are other ways to do this there in, you know, other in the other software, but it is something that I think is really, really cool to pay attention to. We are at the end of our time today. I wanted to say thank you so much for listening to this week's installment of the Music Production for Beginners podcast. We hope that you found some of this content presented to you today helpful, informative, and fun. I'm Finley King. Have a great day and keep making tunes, you guys. Have a good one. Catch you on the next one. From a star in